This is the Hashtag One Fear podcast, where the fear of the Lord and passion for Scripture guide us to truth. With so many options to decide what truth is, looking to God in Scripture can often be ignored, misapplied, or denied altogether. Hashtag One Fear exists to bring God in Scripture first in the pursuit of truth in a well-thought manner. Welcome to the Hashtag One Fear podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. And uh, today we got special guest up in the upper room with us, Nate Dukes. You want to say hi? Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I tell you, I am really, really impressed with you guys. I've got to spend some time with you. I've fallen in love with what you guys are doing. I'm a big supporter of this podcast. Awesome. And I love it, man. Thanks. I'm super honored so. to be on the other side of it. Actually, like <laughs> instead of just listening, I'm I'm yeah. now I'm now getting to talk. Yeah. And we got Danielle up here too. Hi. Hi. I don't have so to talk as much. You don't this have time. to talk. <laughs> I'm sure you'll you will oh, well, interject at I'm some sure. point. Yeah. You always have something to say. Or is that me? What is it? <laughs> I'm a female. I always have something to say. All right. Hey, that's coming from a female. All right. <laughs> All right, so yeah, we uh, through a mutual friend of ours, yeah. uh, we we got in contact and I learned about a book that you just released this year in yep. June, right? Yeah, June. it came out June first. June first, yeah. Um, it's a book called "You'll Never Change: Create Your Comeback and Prove Them Wrong." So they they say a good book is the conversation that you have over and over and over again. And the big question that I, I get is is Nate, how do I create my own comeback? Because um, Part of my story is, is as I was a, a business owner in my early 20s who had a secret drug addiction that nobody knew about. And it ended up really starting to destroy my life. And, and since then, my life looks nothing like what it used to. So fast forward several years um, after making a comeback, um, I, uh, I got married to the love of my life last year. Um, Jenna, she's absolutely amazing. I'm so thankful for her. Uh, we, we bought our first duplex together, which is cool. So we have, um, uh, that's our, our considered an investment property for us. Um, I've sat on the board of a nonprofit for underprivileged youth. Um, I get to lead hundreds of volunteers at my local church. I'm on staff at Rust City Church in Niles, Ohio. So my life looks nothing like what it used to, but there's a process to get there. And so yeah. I took my story. But I also took the principles that I used to start from the bottom and really build this beautiful life. Um, and, and I teach it all in the book. And so it came out June. It's done really well. And I've gotten to meet some incredible people just like you. I've got to be on some cool podcasts. And oh, come on. I'm you're, just, make, you're making me blush. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm just a chubby kid from Ohio. So I'm kind of blown away by how well it's actually done. Yeah. Well, we, we, I read through it, Danielle read through it, and uh, it's one of those books where we're like, I'm so glad he agreed to come on the podcast because <laughs> um, like, if you've listened to the podcast for a while or not, um, this is one of those books I, that I definitely recommend. Uh, it's not throwing the Bible in your face. Yeah, it's sneaky Jesus. You know, it's, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's one of those things where if you need to hear or read, yeah. Um, well, no, it's on audio, right? Yeah. yeah the so the is? audio yeah. audio version will actually be coming out very soon. Oh, so it's, a, okay, it's, yeah, it's recorded, yeah. it's edited, and it but it's not on Audible just yet. Did you read it? Yeah, or, I read it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. nice, <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh it's one of those books where it, it's that story. Yeah. And, and it's that testimony, and there's so many great nuggets in there for not just the lifetime believer uh, or the lifer. Uh, but people just, you know, they need 
that direction. They need yeah. that that little tug, that little push. You yeah. Know? It so it is meant for anybody who feels like their life is too messed up to change. Um, anybody who feels like, man, there's more inside of me, but I don't necessarily know how to pull it out. Or, or maybe I've thought about what a vision from God can look like, but I don't even know how to step into that at all. So mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be high inspire, but it's also going to be very practical too. Um, I, I love at the very end of every chapter, I give a comeback challenge because here's the truth. Information doesn't change anybody. If it did, we'd all be very rich and very skinny. <laughs> uh, so it's not information. It's it's the action behind the information that we get. Yeah. So like reading the gospel is amazing, but it's the, the decision to actually engage into a relationship. The Bible can yes. be a history book. It can be just uh, uh, um, something, uh, a guide for living a good life, but it can also uh, allow me to enter into a relationship with the creator of the universe. But that's yes. part of the action that I have to take to, to take that step to go there. Yeah. yeah. So that is what we're a little bit of what we're going to talk about in this episode, uh, talking with Nate about his book. So if you are ready, let's go. Here we go. All right, so I have uh, my copy of uh, his book, You'll Never Change. And uh, going through the chapter titles, I I noticed it's like, these are the things that you hear. And out of the 13 chapters, um, there's probably eight or nine chapters that I've heard those things said to me. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, I, I mean... Chapter one, you'll never change. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a lie that I told myself over and over. Yeah. So it's it's the same thing that um, people who I'd hurt told me. It's the same thing that um, people who I was in business with told me. Um, but the loudest voices are oftentimes the ones that are in our own head. And uh, yeah. there's a point in my life where that's the only thing that I could repeat over and over is just, you're never, you'll never change. You're never going to change. Things are never going to be any different. This is your life now. The truth is that's a lie, and that's a lie that I had to unlearn and then relearn truth in the process of that. And to like really understand where, uh, where I'm at now, you've got to really understand where I, I, I came from. So growing up, we, were, um, we didn't have a whole lot. Uh, my parents, they were kids trying to raise kids, and um, some of their broken mindsets were passed down to us. And uh, I remember when I was... Uh, probably 11 or 12, my mom came up to us and said, don't expect to have any presents underneath the Christmas tree this year. You know, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to hear um, as a yeah. kid, but there was this really great church that came along and they, they bought us a bunch of Christmas presents. We had this amazing uh, experience, but uh, we knew that it didn't come from my mom and dad. Um, we were used to hand-me-downs, handouts, and uh, uh, when I turned 18, I really wanted to go and try and create a new life. I wanted to escape the chaos of my childhood, so I did what any 18-year-old does. I applied to a public university and took out a bunch of student loans, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, looking back, it was... Um, you know, probably not one of my finer moments, but uh, when I was there, I, I did. I, I genuinely wanted to create a new life. Um, but at age 18, this is where I was first introduced to drugs and alcohol, and um, uh, it w- it was fun. And I, I had a really good time in the beginning. 
because uh, sin can be fun for a season. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. but what feels good in the moment isn't always good for your future. And so I uh, now all of a sudden I'm starting to have my studies compete with this weekend party lifestyle and I'm starting to take prescription ADD medication to try and keep up and now I'm feeling like I'm hyper focused and Superman and, and now all of a sudden I feel like I can't operate if I don't have that in my system at all and so it started out as a weekend fun experience turned into a full-blown drug addiction at age 19, 20, and 21. And so after four years of... Um, college and I I managed to come nowhere close to actually getting any kind of a degree and so I had to move back in with my parents I had to move back in with mom and dad and uh, through a series of events um, there was still this like entrepreneurial spirit that lived inside this like builder um, that wanted to go and create Uh, a buddy of mine who was getting ready to open up a bar and restaurant in downtown Youngstown he approached me and asked me if I wanted to become partners with him and so we took what was a failing business in the beginning and we turned it around into something that was pretty successful over the course of about two years. So uh, now I have access to more money than I had ever seen in my life. Now, I, I want to be very clear. This was not a, like a life-changing amount of money. Mm-hmm. Just being the, you know, the, the poor kid growing up, it felt like the world to me. So, yeah. And it's there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was there and it, yeah. and it felt like mine. Um, uh, so I had, um, I had a nice car. I had a really cool apartment in downtown. I was in social settings that I probably would have never had access to before. And I thought that once I got all of this stuff that I would finally be happy, I would be okay with myself that this little Nate that lived inside of me would finally feel significant. And, um, I wasn't. I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't happy. In fact, I I was even more miserable because now I had more responsibility. And uh, the drug addiction really started to ramp up at this point. So I'm taking three, four, five times the amount prescribed to any human. Um, And now I'm going to uh, casinos and I'm starting to gamble and I'm winning some and I'm losing some. And it's it's not even the money that I'm after anymore. It's it's the high that I get when I go there. And... um, over the course of a year, I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm the classic definition of a bad gambler. Like, I'm, I'm not very good at it. Uh, so I, uh, uh, after over the course of a year, I ended up gambling pretty much everything that I had away. I lost all of it. My bank accounts were empty. I had to get rid of my car. Um, but even though my personal accounts were at zero, the business bank accounts were still full. Mm-hmm. So I started to move money around. I started to, to take money from the business and it was feeding this drug and gambling addiction that was living on the inside of me. And uh, I guess I thought at that point that, well, geez, isn't this my money anyways, because I'm the, I'm the business owner yeah. or at least part business owner. You're trying to justify it. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, here's business 101. So you can't take business money and use it for personal investments that's actually called embezzlement (laughs) and so so here i am embezzling money from my own business and um we had about 20 employees who worked for us um and it was payday my business partner comes up to me he says nate it's time to write the checks for everybody and i just remember coming clean to him in that moment having a moment of clarity saying listen if we write these checks there's not going to be enough money in the accounts to cover them and you could see the look on his face. He was frustrated. He was upset. He was confused. And then it all finally caught up with him. He realized that I had taken the payroll money the night before and I gambled it all away. And so he gave me an ultimatum at that point. He said, Nate, you can sign this thing over and walk away from it free and clear 
or I'm going to get lawyers involved and I'm going to press charges. So at 26 years old, I, um, I sold what was my life or I signed over what was my life's work at that point, And I walked away from all of it. Um, still dealing with a drug and gambling addiction. I moved back in with my parents again. Um, and, uh, and, uh, I remember I could hardly hold down a job. Uh, so I would get a job at a local restaurant somewhere as a server and um, I would revert back to what I knew, which was stealing from the cash register. So I get caught for that and then I get fired. And this happened three different times. Finally, the last time that I got, I got let go from a job, I was, um, I was walking around my parents' apartment complex where we were staying. It was three o'clock in the morning. I had just taken a handful of pills and uh, I was just I was going up to different vehicles trying to see if they were unlocked seeing if anything there was I, I could take or that I could sell, anything to feed the monster that was on the inside of me. And uh, I ended up opening up the car door to a 1999 Buick LeSabre. And as I opened up the center console, I pulled out the spare keys to that car. Apparently, that's where you keep the spare keys to a 99 <laughs> Buick LeSabre. <laughs> um, uh, but I thought to myself in that moment that this maybe this is a chance to get away, to run away from the because the life that I have right now, it's not the life that I want. And so I didn't wake up that morning thinking today's the day that I'm going to steal a car. But when you find yourself in the wrong place with the wrong headspace, you never know what is possible. And so I, uh, I loaded up five garbage bags of clothes and I took off for Houston, Texas. I had a friend who lived down there. I said, Nate, if you ever find a way to get down here, I'll help you get on your feet. And so he, um, he had no idea that I was stealing a car to get there. But I, I made it about halfway, right outside of uh, Nashville, Tennessee. I uh, pulled into a, a gas station in Ashland City. I had been up for three days at this point, and I, I just wanted to get some sleep. So I was, um, I was sleeping, and I closed my eyes, and I remember being woken up at 9 a.m. to three really loud bangs on the driver's side window. A stranger's hand was reaching in the car, pulled me out, put me in handcuffs, and sat me in the back of a cop car. And the, uh, the weight of every decision that I had made sat on my chest like a ton of bricks. And um, it's that thought that kept running through my mind. You'll never change. Your life is never going to be any different. This is who you are now. And so they took me to Cheatham County Jail, where I spent six months of my life. And so this was a pod-style facility. So I shared it with 16 guys. There were eight bunk beds. Um, there was three tables, there were two toilets, um, uh, but there were zero windows. The only chance that we got to get out was once a month, they offered something called church service. Now, I wasn't really interested in going to church, but I, I desperately wanted to get out of that pod. So um, there was this long cinder block hallway, and off to the left-hand side, there was this room with 16 folding chairs set up in it. And we, uh, listen, we were some ugly looking dudes at this point too. So <laughs> our, our hair was grown out. Our beards were a mess. Orange is not a really great color on any man. And um, <laughs> go Browns. <laughs> uh, uh, so, but as we filed in, this really, really old guy came in too. And he pulled out this really, really old guitar. And as he starts to tune it up, he, um, he says, fellas, the only difference between me and you is that I never got caught for the things that I did. And he starts to play the song Amazing Grace. And it goes, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And I look around the room and I see 
guys who were criminals, um, guys who had hurt people with tears streaming down their face. And uh, it's really hard to describe this moment. I describe it as this like perfect moment where I wasn't worried about my past, the things that I had done wrong. I wasn't worried about my future. When am I going to get out of there? But I just remember that, um, that, that pressure, that weight starting to lift off of me and feeling mm. this overwhelming sense of peace. And I just cried out to God in that moment. And I, I said, God, if it is possible to change, I want to because this is not the life that I want to live anymore. Yeah. And so um, when I got out of jail after six months, they gave me two years of felony probation um, because you're not allowed to steal cars and drive them across the country. Um, I had to learn that one the hard way. Uh, but uh, they allowed me to transfer my probation back to Ohio. And my little sister, she was 21 years old. She said um, she really could have said anything because after being in a box for six months, you just want to get out and experience life again. But she said, hey, I found this really cool church in Niles, Ohio that I think you should check out. And um, I said, no, I'm okay. <laughs> and she goes, well, it's better than anything else you've been doing for a while. So why don't you give it a shot? And she was right. And so I, I walked through the doors of Rust City Church in Niles, Ohio, a very broken and messy person. And I sat in the very back of the auditorium. And I remember this, um, this preacher, he came on stage and he started saying things like, God wasn't mad at me, but he was mad about me. And even in my lowest moment, all he wanted was a personal relationship with me. And if I was just open to that relationship, I could step into his grace. I could step into his mercy, his love, his strength, his peace. And um, he said, if, if that's something that you want for your life, if you want a, a relationship with him, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want you to go ahead and just shoot up your hand. And so he, he said, on the count of three, raise your hand. And so I, I was like looking around and he said, one. And I'm like, I got my head down. Like, I don't want anybody to see what I'm about to do, but I feel like this, <laughs> I feel like this, uh, like this, uh, something stirring inside of me. And then he said, three, go ahead and shoot up your hand. And I did this like half hand raise where like I only wanted him to see what I was doing, but I was like, preacher, you see me, I see you. And then I, I like shot my, my hand down real quick. In that moment, I knew that I had accepted salvation. I knew that in that moment, God forgave me and he loved me. The problem was is that I still didn't forgive myself and I still didn't love who I was yet. And so I was a very messy person, but there were some people there who were willing to get messy with me. And, and, and that is ministry right there. Come on, brother. Yeah, you know, like ministry, you're getting messy. You're going to get in the thick of it. Yeah. You know? And, and, and some of the stuff that I said to these people, I am so shocked <laughs> that they stuck around for it. Because now on the other side, people will tell me like some of the stuff they're struggling with. And I'm like, what? What is going on? Why? <laughs> um, and so uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the people in my life who, who saw something more inside of me than I saw inside myself. And, and now, like I said, fast forward, my life looks nothing different or, or nothing like what it used to. It looks very different. Um, I ended up going to the ministry school attached to that church and man, that was hard. That was so difficult. Um, but I, I think that through the hard things, we actually get better in life. And so, so actually when I pray for people, I say, God, don't take it easy on them because it is through the hard stuff that we yeah. get better. We grow yep. through the hard stuff. And, um, and so now I'm just really grateful to be where I'm at because now I get to help other people who feel lost, who feel stuck who feel like, man, my life is never going to be any different because that's a lie. It's a lie from the enemy and it's a lie that we can choose to listen to or we can choose to rebuke. Yeah. Man, that was just from the title of the first chapter. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's, 
So writing this book, what what would you say? Because I mean, there there's a lot of uh, stuff that stuck out to me. Stuff that, like you know, I've never had been in that situation. Never been in jail. Never had a drug addiction or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but I've had faced uh, not being forgiven. Yeah, man. Stuff like that. Uh, and, and to me, like that's the one that hit me the hardest uh, going through that chapter. And uh, it just made me wonder what what as you were writing the book, what was the toughest part to write out? Yeah, absolutely. To to, uh, to tell that part of the story. So the Bible is very clear. Like we are born into sin. Like we've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Can I get an amen? Somebody, amen. We, we've all fallen amen. short. And through so, and through. <laughs> yeah, so, so part of that though is that when we fall short, oftentimes our shortcomings have an effect on other people, and yeah. so we're gonna do some damage to the to the people around us. And um, I had done a lot of damage, and I had hurt a lot of people that were really close to me. And so I have uh, been on the journey of trying to make amends and repair that damage, but there's often there's times where people don't want to hear it they don't want to talk about it. they don't want anything from you because there are going to be people in your life that know a version of you that doesn't exist anymore yeah and so um there are people from my past who still know a version of nate that isn't around um and so there's a, a chapter in the book where i actually it's it's almost like um it's my apology letter to uh, my business partner and because we still haven't actually made amends. We still haven't talked about the fact that I stole a ton of money from our business and that I, I broke a friendship that was really close to me. And, and so my heart and prayer is that one day there will be restoration in that friendship. And, um, uh, you know, this was for me one of the hardest parts because I had to, um, publicly talk about some of the things that privately still haunted me. Yeah. Yeah. One of the quotes, oh, what chapter is this? I probably should have looked at it. Yeah. 11. They, they said, I'll never make a comeback. Yeah. And, uh, the quote that you have in here, the fear of unforgiveness should never keep you from seeking forgiveness. Yeah. And, uh, it, it I find it strange that in, in scripture, you don't, he, you don't see anything about, you have to go say you're sorry because it's, maybe it's implied, but really it's most of what scripture teaches is it's a life. Yeah, that you live uh, with that in mind, mm-hmm. uh, but it is a command to forgive, and it's just like in my own experience anyway. It's it was like, wait a minute, that's not the way it was supposed to go. You were mm. supposed to forgive me. <laughs> 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 so, uh, like uh, for for you, how how is uh, how, I don't know how else to say this, but like, how do you deal with that? Yeah, you know, how do I like, deal how with do people you, not forgiving? Yeah, me? like what do you do? <laughs> Yeah. So this is the one thing that I've learned is that I can't control how people are going to respond. I can only control how I react. So what I mean by that is I'm only supposed to make sure that my side of the street is clean. I, as much as I desperately want people to see the new Nate, they may never be open to that. And I, I have to be okay with that. I have to just trust that God has a plan, that he is good, that things are going to be okay. And that might mean that this person never forgives me, but it's not my responsibility to make them forgive me. I'm just responsible for asking for it. Unforgiveness is a it's a it's a prison that we will keep ourselves in. So if, if we're, we're having two conversations right now, the one is the person seeking forgiveness, and then there's another side of it, the person who um, is unwilling to forgive. 
Um, and, mm-hmm. and when we choose not to forgive people, we're not actually hurting somebody else. We, we think that we are. We think that this resentment that I'm holding up against towards somebody is actually going to cause them pain because the old adage, hurt people, hurt, hurt people. people. Yep. Um, but really, um, uh, unforgiveness is, it's like, I heard this really great quote. It's like drinking poison and hoping that the other person gets sick. Yeah. And it's just not the case. And so when we choose to forgive, we're actually setting ourselves free. We're setting ourselves free from this self-imposed prison that will keep ourselves locked up in. Yeah. You have anything? No? no. Well, you have the book open. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not in that chapter. Uh, well, I, yeah. I, the other day you texted me one of the, one of the oh, lines yeah, from the book. Oh, yeah, I did. Do you remember which one it was? Yeah, the next chapter. Um, oh, okay. That was the same chapter, though, that I told him was what a lot of what we dealt with. Wow. In that whole... I think for me, the struggle is being afraid that other people are then affected by that one person's opinion. Like you hope that they see your heart through your actions and stuff, yep. but you're always a little scared Yeah, um, that, that it's going to hold you back. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that one, that really resonated with both of us. But no, I sent him a picture from page 133 and 134. Um, because <laughs> so i want to ask you this but it says making a commitment isn't hard keeping one is yeah um and that typically the outs are very tempting uh-huh. but um i really like that but the comfort of giving up won't pull out the character necessary for your calling come on how many times <laughs> we're preaching right now <laughs> how many times did you uh-huh need to be <laughs> reminded of that kind of thing yeah. th- through this process constantly every yeah. day it's yeah. an everyday reminder here's the thing giving up never gets us anywhere that we want to go and so what we're actually talking about is the commitment to change but it can be the commitment to lead it can be the commitment to love it can be the commitment to let go to move in a new direction whatever it is because com- here's the thing we will get psyched up and motivated for a new thing for a new direction that we're moving in and that's yeah. actually the easiest part yeah the hardest part is seeing it through and so i don't know if you've ever tried to start a diet before or a workout plan new but like year's resolution every year every year <laughs> every year um uh and and so but after a few months we find ourselves giving up or walking away from it and so when you really want to make significant change in your life or you want to see the fruit of change when you want to see the results of change um giving up is it's not an option and uh i'll I'll tell you so like i I really do believe that uh it's the consistency in our commitment that will actually create credibility with others so i don't know if you've ever had somebody come up to you and share their hopes and their dreams and their goals and they're like super passionate about it they're they're, (laughs) they're telling you all this great stuff that they're going to do but maybe in the back of your head you're just thinking to yourself this is never going to happen. <laughs> it's because they, they haven't created enough credibility with you for you to actually believe them. And so if we want to start to, if we're wondering why people don't believe us, we need to start to create cre- credibility with them. Mm-hmm. And the, the easiest way to be credible is to be consistent, is to do what you're going to say you're going to do over and over and over and over again, even when it's hard, yes. even when the comfort of not, even when, even when nobody is looking and it's so easy to walk away and, and do whatever you want. And it doesn't necessarily have yeah. to be a bad thing. 
It could just yeah. not be what you said you were going to do. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. doing what we say we're going to do is so important. It's actually so important for us creating confidence, self-confidence. This is where self-confidence actually comes from. So this is like a, if somebody out there is struggling with self-confidence, um, the easiest way to start to build it is to tell yourself you're going to do something hard and then do go it. do it. So when, when you set your alarm for 30 minutes earlier than you normally do, and then you don't wake up, what you're, you're reinforcing, <laughs> we've done this. <laughs> we've done or this. Or we do do that. <laughs> All we're doing is reinforcing in our brain that we can't trust ourselves. Yeah. And so when you do the hard thing, when your brain is screaming, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, but you know you're supposed to, now all of a sudden I've got some self-confidence because I can trust myself. Hmm. I believe that when I say I'm going to do something, I follow through with it. And so that's where self-confidence comes from. That's where credibility comes from. It's all through being consistent. Yeah. yeah. I think that the other part um, so I hate, hate the phrase, you do you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the, yeah, you the whole you. thought of, well, what I'm doing shouldn't concern you because it doesn't have an effect on you Yeah. or not allowing people to speak into you because if they don't agree with you. So I loved that you wrote, um, every single time the people around me helped me grow. They were, they were relentless about not allowing me to slip underneath the standard of who I was called to be. Come on. And so I think like. It's hard. It's hard having people tell you, but yeah. I think sometimes we let up on ourselves too much yeah. and not in like a, not to demean yourself, but more to say, I can do better instead of saying, I'm good how I am and right. I'm going to accept that I am enough. Well, for one thing, we're not enough without Christ, Amen. but I don't, I don't ever want to settle for less when I know I'm called to more. And it might not be comfortable, but I need to be willing to let the people, if I say it, like you were saying, if I say I want to do something or if I say I want to be a certain way, mm-hmm. you're only going to get there if you allow those things to actually be spoken into you and you live them out. That, that's why a good mentor is so important in our lives. And we need to give permission to people to call us out on the things in the areas of our lives that are hard for us to actually face on our own a hard truth from a good mentor can change our lives and so i need two types of people in my life Um, i need types of people that are going to know me k-n-o-w know what i've been through know what i struggle with know um, my past and then i need people that are going to know me and know no, Nate, that resentment doesn't look good on you. No, Nate, you shouldn't talk to your wife like that. <laughs> no, Nate, don't send that text out right now. And so these people, they're so important for our growth as human beings because we have blind spots. There are things that I don't want to look at myself right now. There's things that I don't want to face. But a good mentor, someone who cares enough about you to um, love you through a hard situation, to care more about you than being friends with you. So that's really important. Someone that cares about you more than actually being friends with you will shine light into the dark areas of ourselves. And through that, that's where growth comes from. That's where elevation comes from. That's where like, uh, and especially when it's back behind scripture, so you can't yeah. run away from it. <laughs> can't argue that. Yeah. You can try. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's good. And I think that's a, we don't like the idea of uh, losing a friendship. Or, yeah. But I, I do think that if you've given that person that permission and it's something that for a time you maybe feel like, I can't be friends with this person. I feel like in some, a lot of cases it comes back around yeah. when you've actually 
realized, oh, they were right. Yeah. <laughs> they cared about me. Yeah. Sometimes you're just not ready, maybe in the moment. And but... it's not for everybody. Like, don't hear me out. Like, I want, I need people that I can just be friends with. Yes. That we like. Yeah. We're not calling each other to higher standards. We just, (laughs) we hang out and it's good and it's, it's life giving and it's fun and it's encouraging. But I also need a group of people that I've given access to the, to the parts of me that I don't want to face. I need those people in my life. Um, because with, without them, I'm kind of just, I'm trying to figure it out all on my own. And that's just, it's just dangerous. It's dangerous to try and do that. Yeah. I've always, I was taught early, I always have a Paul Tim Barney. Uh, uh, Barney. Uh, <laughs> the apostle paul yes you know, have so, someone like that in your life where they're going to mentor you uh and really you know i mean look at it read through the epistles and it's like wow he had a lot of hard things that he had to say to yeah. some of his church some of those churches and then uh uh have a timothy where you also do that yes you know men- go and mentor someone because you have been mentored yeah. you know that's part of the discipleship where it, you know, make disciples. You can't make a disciple unless you've been discipled yourself. So good. You know? And then the Barney, the Barnabas, you know, that guy that's just going to be there to cheer you on. Yeah. Have fun with, you know, like yep. just be there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, uh, in my early days, I was definitely more of a Barnabas. I was just like a high, <laughs> a high encourager. Let's just have fun. And then, um, yeah, once I went on my own discipleship journey of being discipled, now you you feel obligated. And because you've been in the darkness, you now have the responsibility and the ability to help pull other people out of that same darkness. So whether it's a drug addiction like I struggle with, or whether it's um, feelings of loneliness, feelings of unworthiness, feelings of, man, I don't have a dream or a vision for my life. If you found a way out of that, you now have the ability to help pull other people out of that same situation. Amen. And now our permission to think moment. This week, according to 2 Peter 1, 5-9, we are thinking of faith. The Greek term pistis translated into English as faith is one I'm convinced we do not fully grasp. It is often confused to be a noun rather than the verb that it is. It is an action word, one that describes what a believer does, not necessarily what they believe in, although actions do indicate what we believe. Hebrews 11.1 defines faith as a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, in light of faith being an action and based on what we believe, we therefore live a certain way. For example, we sit down in the same chair every day, not giving any thought to whether or not the chair will hold us up. We have experienced something with that chair that causes us to live without doubting we would fall to the floor despite gravity and our awareness of gravity. God has secured salvation and so much more. He has offered life. As a believer, we are aware of every evil that tries to destroy, trick, frustrate, and distract us from God. Or are we? This is where faith is so pivotal. It is the assurance that Christ has secured an eternal life despite every weapon the devil throws at us. We should therefore be living according to that salvation and life we believe. That is faith being lived out. That is faith in action. So this week, think on how far your faith would go in every circumstance. And to make this faith sure, also think of the faith that God has, despite every evil pretension. God is still faithful to clear a path for him to pursue after us. 
Things will get messy, even painful at times, but this one thing is for sure. God is faithful. He will provide a way out so that you can endure living in faithfulness to Him and Him alone. So this week, think of faith. So another place in your book that I liked is, uh, and I'm glad they're in like the big letters because <laughs> they do stand out. They stand and out. How, yeah. And because I, I don't know what it is about me and books, but I just don't like marking them. I don't know why. Like I'll read it and I'll retain it. He doesn't but like, like making them look I, yeah. marred. Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, but if you look preserver. at my Bible, if you look at my Bible, that is definitely marked yeah. off. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Everything else isn't. Yeah, but... Yeah, so like, this is like a so like when the quotes stick out, it's kind of like a highlight for you. Yes. So you yes. don't have to go back to it. Yeah, yeah I yeah. see what you're saying. Um, and it just helps me re- remember. Uh, it, when you're grateful for what you have, you yeah. can't be consumed by what you don't have. Yeah. And uh, it, maybe not materially, but relationally, those things that hey, this is what we have, and I think that that is definitely a, a message that the church in America, yep, they want to flirt with other relationships that are contrary to the relationship with God, Mm. you know? Mm. And I feel as though that like, maybe I'm taking your words out of context (laughs) a little bit, but you know, this is what we have. This is the relationship with Christ. And this is what, uh, you know, this is our past. We've got to come to terms with it, but we didn't get to where we are right now. And we're not going to go to where God is leading us if we didn't start at this point. Yeah. In, the, in our past. Yeah. And so uh, I really feel like gratitude is an underrated superpower that we all have access to. Yeah. And so before anybody writes this off as like another gratitude list or a, a th- attitude of gratitude or, or <laughs> write your three things that you're grateful for today, just, just hear me out. Um, gratitude reminds us that what we have is enough, but more importantly, that we are enough. And yes. that's all throughout scripture, that we are enough because he who lives in me is greater than he who is in the world. And so uh, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that lives inside of me. We are enough because we have a relationship with God. That is all I need. That is enough. And so if I have nothing left except for breath in my lungs and blood in my heart and it's still pumping, that is enough. I'm still grateful for it. Um, but, but gratitude may not change the world around me, but it can change the view of my world, how I see things. And so I, I want to constantly cultivate gratitude. It's, it's actually hard to be angry and grateful. (laughs) It's it's hard to be resentful and grateful at the same time. And so every morning I, I do the best that I can to have a practice of allowing gratitude to enter into my heart, into my mind. Yeah. 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 And I think like we both had said that it's Christ in us that makes us enough. And I think in some ways we need to say it makes us enough and empowers us to do the harder things, not we're enough how we are Mm. to stay that way. I mean, sanctification, you shouldn't be staying that way. That's right. Um, So I just think, you know, Christ in me is going to drive me to do the things that I am not enough without him. That's so good. Um, And obviously I think you could say that you wouldn't be where you are without yeah. Christ in you. Well, so I, I love the, the thought that like God loves us enough to meet us right where we're at. Yes. And one of my, one of the things that we talk about at, at the church that I go to is you can start right where you are, yeah. but, but God loved us enough to say, I don't want you to stay where you are. Start yeah. where you're at, but 
choose to grow and yeah. it only comes out of this relationship with God. Yeah. That's what gives me the ability, actually the desire to grow. Because here's the truth. Um, there's nothing that we can do. Like there's no good deed that we can do to earn salvation. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, uh, it, it is a free gift I have to accept, but it's out of that relationship that I should want to grow. I yeah. should want yeah, to change. That, that I should desire. want to be different. Yeah. 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 It's the whole like marriage thing. Hopefully in your marriage, it's your love for that person that you want to do what's best for them. Yeah. And you want to sacrifice even when it's hard. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, it's, it's the whole, you start with milk, but I mean, at 33, I'm not still drinking out of a bottle yeah. of formula. I've craved a different thing as <laughs> uh -huh. I've grown and grown. Absolutely. I'm what? just laughing because I'm looking this, at the size of your water bottle with the straw. It's not it. a bottle though. <laughs> okay. It's a cup. 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 Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. I'm going to go back to something because you like touched on it, but didn't totally so that you're responsible for doing the right thing, not for yeah. how people respond. Yep. How, and I'm sure maybe it's still a struggle, but how did you get yourself to be able to move on when they did not respond in a way that was healing or what you thought it was going to be? Yeah, for <laughs> sure. So I, I think that this comes actually, this is going to be full circle to the second chapter in the book is when I talk about like creating a vision for yeah. your life. And so um, for some of us, when we're trying to make our comeback or make some significant changes, um, really what we're feeling is we're feeling the pain of our past. So there's, there's two things that cause change. There's the pain that I'm feeling right now, or there's the thought of being something different in the future, having something more, experiencing something new. And so the problem is, is that when some people uh, get to a place where that pain isn't great anymore, they stop trying to grow and change. And so what we need is we need a vision that is large enough and big enough. And we're talking about God-sized dreams right now. And so my pastor likes to say, like, you know it's God when, when your butt puckers up a little bit. Cross-stitch <laughs> <laughs> uh, that on a pillow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and so, so we want a vision that is exciting and big enough that man, I get pumped up and I get excited. And, and so here's where it comes back into forgiveness. So if I have a vision in a direction that I'm moving in that I know that God has called me to it, but somebody else chooses not to forgive me along the way, that's okay. Because I'm, this, is just, um, uh, this is just a stopping point for me. It's a resting point for me. It's not my final destination. So I know that according to the vision that God has given me, I'm going to continue to move on even if that person isn't in the car with me or isn't it heading in the same direction that I am or maybe they're even throwing a rock at my at my car as I drive by. <laughs> it's okay because it, it's not my it's not where I'm stopping. I'm just I'm just resting there. Do you ever have to wrestle with that though still sometimes? Yeah, well, um, absolutely. Those... I'm human. So yeah, yeah so like I, <laughs> I, as much as I don't want to care what people think about me, I, I, I always care what people think yeah. about me. <laughs> and um, and so you, you, I fight that on a daily basis. Um, but I will, I do know this, um, that there, anytime you're doing something significant or trying to make changes in your life, you're going to experience opposition to that. Yeah. And sometimes that opposition comes from people who you were close with, people that you hurt, people who are unexpectedly um, resentful of the things that you are doing. And just know that that is a significance. That's a sign of significance. 
So like you can reference any YouTube video that has more than a million views and you go into the comment section and (laughs) it's just not a fun place. Like there's no life giving comment section where it's like, wow, this is a really fun place to hang out. Yeah. It's, it's hateful. Yeah. We were talking about it a little bit before we started recording. Like we go to those star reviews and we read the ones to see why should I, can you convince me not to buy this product? Yeah. Because otherwise then I'm going to buy it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so like, yeah, you, you have to fight against that. So I, I try to reframe it. And I, I know that anytime I'm experiencing opposition, it's actually a good thing. So like when anytime the gospel has experienced oppression, it's already, it's grown. It's it, the gospel has spread more like when times when they're good, it's, it's like we, we're stagnant. But when, when they're hard and they're painful, that's when the most growth is, is experienced. So yeah, like when, when somebody is struggling, a relationship that I have hasn't come to a restoration or, or somebody still doesn't uh, know who I am now or doesn't believe the direction that I'm heading in, yes, it hurts. It, it hurts. I'm called to more. Yeah. I'm called to something bigger. I'm called to something greater. Do, do I want everybody to be on my team? Absolutely. I know that that is a pipe dream though. It's not reality. Not everybody's going to support every single thing that I do. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm not called to everybody. Yeah. I'm not called to everybody. And so, um, yes, I'm human. Yes. I still struggle with this. I, I heard a great preacher say one time, he goes, I, I can get up, uh, every Sunday and I can, uh, preach the gospel in a way that, uh, is life giving and sounds really, really good. But I still have to make that same choice that everybody else does to follow it. Just because I can preach it and talk about it doesn't mean that my choice to follow it is any easier. And so right now we're talking about some difficult stuff. We're talking about some next level 201 class stuff that's hard (laughs) as human beings. This is hard to to deal with. But just because we're good at talking about it doesn't mean that we still don't have to struggle in the same way that everybody else does. Yeah. And and speaking of like the the pushback and and – I don't know if, if you want to call it conflict or anything like that. But when it comes to that pushback, you, we can easily confuse when somebody lovingly comes to us and says, hey, you know, pointing this out, you know, we might feel like that's pushback. And we've experienced that ourselves. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's the indicator to know whether or not should I let what they're saying really dictate my my decisions. Yeah. You know? So when I get correction or feedback, um, like I'm really good at watching what I say in return. It's my face that gets all messed up (laughs) (laughs) and people can read what I'm thinking (laughs) off of my face. Um, And so like one of the things that I've been coached on and trying to help people have tried to help me with is like, Hey, don't take it so personal when you're getting feedback, when you're getting coaching, when you're getting yeah. correction, don't take it personal. And that's so hard. I started, when I got that feedback, I was taking it personal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think that there's something true in that of understanding that feedback is, it's not always meant to tear me down. Oftentimes it's meant to build me up and that's why we have discernment. That's why we have the ability to see through and see people's intentions. And the Holy Spirit guides us in that to know when someone comes with a pure heart or someone's coming to actually attack us and tear us down. Because there's two ways to get the biggest building in town. We can either build ours up the biggest 
or we can tear down other people's around us. And sometimes mm. there's going to be people that come around because they can't build a big building. Yeah. They're going to work on tearing other people's down. And we need to have discernment to know who is actually trying to help us and say, hey, there's an architectural structure problem here that you need to fix. Otherwise, your building's going to have yeah. serious problems. Or it's somebody coming in with a, a wrecking ball and a crane just trying to knock it down because they're a bored kid in the sandbox. Yeah, yeah. that's a great analogy. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so what um maybe I, maybe you don't have an answer to this but what would you say was your favorite comeback to challenge people with yeah my, my favorite comeback challenge um so is is definitely uh when i talk about uh figuring out who your friend should be and surrounding mm. yourself with the right people mm. um so this is uh this is something that's pretty close to my heart is that uh, i really do believe that your friends can equal your future um, who you surround yourself with is, is just so vitally important. You know, psychology will tell us that we'll, we'll make the average amount of decisions based on the five people that we do life with. Yeah. Um, science will say that we'll make the average amount of money of the five people that are closest to us. And so if I know that principle to be true, I, um, I got to take some personal responsibility through this and just look at my phone and say, who were the last five text messages that I sent out? Um, uh, are, are, and, and I want to make sure that I'm... <laughs> I want to be around the right people and, and not the wrong ones. And when I say the wrong ones, I mean like the people that are pulling you away from the, the plan, the destiny, the passion, the purpose that God has placed on the inside of you, who when you get around them, uh, you start saying things that you probably normally wouldn't say. You start doing things that you probably <laughs> normally wouldn't do. And um, when we start to talk about this, um, people can get a little uncomfortable only because the, the first thought that comes up is, is, am I supposed to give up on people? Am I supposed to walk away from some people? And if you are in a toxic relationship right now or a toxic friendship, um, this actually might be the permission that you need to step away and put some boundaries up. And, and that's okay. And so when I talk about this stuff, I don't necessarily mean just completely abandoning people. I, I explain it like this. If your hands are full right now, uh, if you're and they're closed and they're full, it's it's hard to be open to anything new. So once we start to open our hands and really what I mean by that, limit the time with certain people, just limit it. Maybe we don't invest all of our time or maybe we don't give all of ourselves to them or or maybe we only say, I've got I've got a, an hour for you this this month to be able to support you. Once we open our up our hands, we're actually uh, ready to receive new people and new experiences mm -hmm. and new potential and new possibilities. And when we surround ourselves with new people, we have the ability to make new choices. New choices can equal a new life for us. Yeah. Nice. It's, I mean, doesn't the Bible though talk about that, about those who we are with? Can't even think of what the verse is, but um, like our actions and who we are flows out of who we do company with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, bad company corrupts good character. Come on, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean the Bible talks about that uh, uh, the world will know that we're disciples and followers of Christ based on how we love one another. And so I want to love people. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I want to. I, I totally want to love others, but that doesn't mean that I can uh, subject myself to the abuse of others. Yeah. So me yeah. loving you might just say, "Hey, I think you need to get some real help," or "I can't be around you when you're like this." Yeah. Um, that's a hard truth from a good friend. I can't be around you when you're like this. And some people aren't ready to receive that and that's okay. But when I am fighting for my life, when I'm fighting for my comeback, um, it is okay to look at my life and say, am I loving you? Yes, but I'm also protecting myself as well. Yeah. 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 Hard love. I mean, love isn't ooey gooey and 
it's accepting of the person, but it's not necessarily accepting yeah. of what they bring to the table. Well, well, God's love is the same way. Yeah. God's love is, it's so wonderful and leaning into his grace is amazing. And that feels so good. His grace available to us is yeah. amazing. But I also know that he's a good, good father. And a good, good father, when he sees his kids acting up in a supermarket, he handles the business, okay? <laughs> One kid under each arm and you'll walk out the door. Otherwise, you would look at that parent and say, what's wrong with you? You're, yeah. not, you're not doing a good yeah. job. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, love sometimes is hard, is tough, but it, it, it's, 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 it's so important that we have both sides of it. Yeah. Good. What would be your biggest takeaway from this? Yeah. So when somebody is trying to create their comeback, and I get this question a lot, um, Nate, where do I start? How do I create a comeback? So we talked about vision, having a God-sized dream. So um, when I ask people this, like, hey, what do you want your life to look like? Uh, They give very generic answers. They'll say things like, I just want my kids to be taken care of. I just want bills to be paid. Um, I just want to be happy. And intrinsically, there's there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's that's great. I think that deep down inside, we all want that. Yeah. It, it's just not specific enough. It's like um, looking at a target that's a hundred uh, yards away, but we need glasses, and so it's really blurry. So it's like we try to aim for that, but we're not actually that good of a shot because we can't see what we're aiming for. Yeah. And so we need to get very clear and specific on the vision that God has given us. So uh, I say say things like, "What do you want your legacy to look like? What are we trying to?" pass down to the next generation. Um, what do I want my friendships to be like? Do I want them to be life-giving? Do I want them to be life-draining? I mean, I, I, I know this can be controversial, but like even like the amount of money, like how much money do you want to make? Um, uh, what kind of uh, what kind of things do you, do you want people to say about you when you leave the room? Like when I walk out, like what do I want? What, what's the taste in people's mouth that I want to leave? Um, so, so we need to be very clear on the things that we want because then we can start to make decisions that line up with that. Yeah. Every decision that we make is is a vote that we're casting either in the direction of our vision mm. or in the opposite direction. Uh, uh, contrary to popular belief, the things we do every single day, they matter. They matter. They matter yeah. so much. Every yeah. day, the decisions that we make, they matter. And so if you have a vision and you have started making the right decisions and you're looking at your life and it still hasn't changed – I've got some news for you. I've got some good news for you, okay? The hardest four-letter word any of us are ever going to hear is wait. And we have to multiply all of this by time. This stuff takes time. I mean, yeah. you can go put a hot pocket in the microwave right now, and man, it'll it'll be it'll be enough. Okay? <laughs> it'll just be enough. But there's something to be said for barbecue that's been cooking for 12 hours. There's something yes. magical that happens in a process. You're making me drool. That is here. drawn out because it, there's more. something special in that. <laughs> you see how excited we yeah. get over a, a yeah. process? Yeah. There's a process. And so um, if you have planted seeds from a previous season and you're still eating a harvest that doesn't taste good, you're going to have to keep eating until that harvest is gone. And then the seeds that you are planting now, you may not see for another season. So we have to give yeah. this thing some time. We just have to know that over time, God is faithful. We're not called to bring the harvest. He is. We're called to plant the seeds and be faithful to what he's given us. Mm. And so if you right now are trying to make some changes in your life or make your own comeback or you want something new, you have to have a vision. 
you have to start making the right decisions that line up with that. And sometimes that requires a massive amount of faith. You know, the, the decision to take a step off of a boat, even when you're called, can be really scary. That can be a scary yep. step. Even though you're called to it and you see Jesus out there, that can still be a really scary step to take. So it requires faith. Have a vision. Make the right decisions. And just know that this is going to take some time to happen because you're going to look back in a year, two years, five years from now and be so thankful that you didn't give up and that you went on this journey. And that you didn't rush Amen. it. Mm. Amen. Mm. I am going to ask a question that has nothing to do with the book. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you can just give me a short answer. Yeah. But so when you entered into ministry school. Yes. Coming out of this place that you were in and you, had, you said earlier before the podcast that at the time you didn't want to be in a relationship. But was there any like fear in you that there would be rejection moving forward from where you were coming from to enter into a relationship? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I said it all a, a lot when I first started coming to church. Like, uh, so like anytime a new guy shows up to church, everybody gets really excited. <laughs> um, and so they always try to like set them up with different Don't people. Don't bombard them. Yeah. <laughs> and the same thing is with girls too. Like we, anytime somebody new comes along, it's just, it's bad. Um, yeah. But uh, so I, I was trying to get set up by uh, one of my friends that was at the church and I just said, don't hook me up with any of your friends because I'm probably going to ruin them. That was the impression of me mm-hmm. is that I just, I hurt people. I took advantage of people. I wasn't in a good place yet. And so it wasn't until, um, so uh, the Bible talks about renewing your mind daily and like actually becoming a new creation. It wasn't until like I actually leaned into that of like, no, who I was is not who I am. And just because I've made some mistakes, it doesn't mean that I am a mistake. Once I actually believed that about myself, that's when I was ready to to step into a relationship. Uh, I, I said this, when I first was trying to figure things out and I was still really messy, I didn't want somebody who was okay with where I was at. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want somebody that was just going to be okay with the fact that I am making some major life dis- mess ups right now, I'm making some major life mistakes. Um, and so um, I held off and there were some people that were interested in that, that expressed uh, some interest in me. Uh, but I, I just kind of held off for it. And it, it wasn't until there was this girl that came along that just was like, he needs to cook a little bit longer. He needs more Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's not ready yet. Stuck and you with the fork. And, and, that's, yeah. and that's when I knew. I knew. I was like, all right, yeah, she's the one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was a, a lot of fear of rejection. But there was also a fear of I'm going to probably hurt some people. And I didn't want to hurt anybody anymore. And so I um, – when I was in Bible college, I did say, I was like, I don't want to get any, into any kind of relationships with anyone because I, I was so committed to the calling that God had put on my life um, that I didn't want to get distracted. I didn't want to get pulled away from it. And so uh, I remember having a conversation with my wife. She was, you know, she was the worship leader at the time and I was a Bible college student and she would go to Starbucks because she was a teacher and she was grading papers and I would show up at Starbucks because I was doing homework and then I would see on her Instagram story that she was, she was at Starbucks and so then I would just magically show up at Starbucks. I gotta go guys. He, he, he sounds a lot like someone I know. Someone he yeah. knows. Um, and so there was this like mutual attraction. You can tell like when you're starting to develop feelings for somebody. And I wanted to be really honest with her. And so I, I sat down and I said, hey, listen, 
I said, if you're feeling like there's like these feelings between us and, and I'm not moving forward or like I, I feel like I'm dragging my feet, just know I really feel in the season like I, I'm, I'm not supposed to hate anybody. And she was like totally okay with that. And so I told her, I was like, you know, I'm not graduating for another year. If, you know, you if there's somebody else that comes along and sweeps you off your feet, like I, I totally support that. I don't want to hold you back from anything. And she was she was just like, okay, that's that's fine. And then for whatever reason, uh, we kept spending time together, kept spending time together. And a month later we were dating. So it's like <laughs> as much as I wanted to fight it, um, I, I feel like uh, when God brings something together and he, it's, it's good, it's like blessed by him. Um, I thought that somebody was going to pull me away from my calling and she actually encouraged my calling. She supported my calling. And so it felt very natural for us. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Yeah. When was... When did you go to college? Yeah, so I went to Bible college in uh, the very beginning of 2018. Okay. So four years ago. That was when you were done or when you started? That's when I first started. Okay. Yeah. So you ended... I gra- so it was a two-year ministry program that I went through. Um, so, so you ended in COVID? Yeah, well, so <laughs> I ended like right before all of that took off. Okay. So like uh, 2000, so 2019, end okay. of 2019, right be- before 2020 started. Yes. Yeah. Nice. That's exciting. Yeah. I like hearing these kind of stories. I stalked yeah. him at college. And by stalked, I meant I'd show up at the library when he was at the library. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's not stalking. It's, it's just affection. Christian stalking. Yeah. <laughs> One of her friend's uh, car battery died. Okay. And she's like, call Dom. So I answer my phone. I was like, hey, what's up? And she's like, hey, uh-huh. car battery's dead. What? Can you Can you help us? And I was like, Call campus security. They have yeah. one of those things. Totally clueless. <laughs> totally clueless. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We miss the mark as guys. Uh, so <laughs> the Bible says in Genesis, it is not good for man to be alone. There's and, a good reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just talking to the guy that installed our door about that. He goes, yeah, God gave it like a hot minute. and was like, no, no, you're not good anymore. You need help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, my wife, she, she's, she's a special lady and I'm super thankful for her because she saw something inside of me that I didn't necessarily see in myself yet. And, um, you know, like, so stepping into our first year of marriage, it was tough. Um, you know, you have two universes that are colliding together and you're Mm -hmm. a little bit messy. She's a little bit messy and yeah, they, they smash into one another. And now all of a sudden you, you find yourself caring about things that you thought you'd never care about before in your entire life. And, um, you're just trying to figure it all out. And um, we're in a really great place right now, but it took some back and forth. It took some some tough moments, but I'm thankful for all of that because I feel like I have a deeper appreciation and love for her now that we've actually like, I thought I knew my wife, right? I thought like I, I thought that there <laughs> was nothing. And then you get married. And then, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, it, you, it's a daily learning. Yes. Just throwing that out there. Right. It's like studying the Bible every yeah. single day. I'm learning something oh, new. That came out today. I didn't know about that one before. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we're, we're, it, love is definitely a choice and it's, uh, we, we prefer one another and we choose each other every single day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a good and hard lesson in this society. Yeah. Um, because like we've said, the hard stuff is what grows you. Yes. And when you make that vow, <laughs> you make the vow because you're going to need it yeah. um, to work through the hard stuff. But if you're willing to fight through it, it's usually so much better and sunnier on the other side. Amen. Um, y- even you're always going to have something you're going through, whether it's, I don't want to say against each other, but like a tension with each other. Yep. Or you're going through something together. Um, that's a tension against both of you. But 
I what, mean, do they say that you become a new person every seven years? Like you're you're a different kind of person, and so you have to then yeah. relearn how to love yeah. this new person yeah. every yeah. every seven years. Yeah. Um, and so, but that that becomes a choice. And yeah. you know, when you first fall in love, it, it feels good, and it for a while, man, for maybe for months or maybe for a few years. But then it, it turns into a choice that I have to make. And every time I roll over in the morning and I hit my wife with this hot morning breath, she <laughs> has to choose to love me. She's yeah. Not, it's, a, it's, a, it's a choice that yeah. she has to make. Yeah. Uh, so in two years, you're saying we're going to be new people again. Yeah. We're at a... Wait, how many years now? Well, Have no, we I'm just saying like in two years, I'll be 35. So that'll be my next uh, multiple of seven that yeah. I need to be a new person. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. there, so the new values, new decisions, new things that are important, yeah. new hopes, new dreams, new yeah. callings. Um, they're probably not the same that they were seven years ago. Yeah. And it's, there's definitely different reasons for it. Yep. Yeah. And uh, is that, I mean, it's the hard stuff. You have to be willing to work through it instead mm-hmm. of giving up. Amen. It's worth it. It's Oh, it, it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I think what some people will do is that they will um, – They'll get into a relationship and then they'll start to have issues and they'll label those issues um, relationship problems. Um, but the truth is, is that uh, uh, some of us, not all of us, but some of us have uh, single people problems that we've never dealt with on our own and now brought them into a relationship. Yeah. And mm. and because you yeah. don't fix me, you must not be the right one for me because yeah. you don't you don't complete me the way that I want to because we're, we're having issues now. You must not be my soulmate. And I, I just don't know that that's true. I think that when you have two people who are willing to grow together, who are trying to move in the same direction, which, by the way, there's nothing more beautiful than when you see your partner growing because it yeah. inspires you to grow. Yeah. Um, that That's a really, really cool thing because now you guys are growing together. And, um, you know, we, we've probably heard this teaching before where um, if God is at the top of the triangle and we're at the, the bottom two sides at the edges, and as we continue to grow closer to him, we actually grow closer together, together as yeah. well, too. Yeah. yeah. There was a um, love... Love the man. We did pre-premarital counseling in college with a professor. Oh. And there was like, there was a part of it that irked me, I guess. Um, and I look back and, I, and I'm like, you know, I, I feel like I was right in the way I reacted to him. Because yeah. he asked, evaluate your parents' marriage and ask them any questions about like their hard stuff. And because a lot of times your marriage will end up becoming like what your parents was. Yeah. And I, I looked at him and I said... I'm not doing that. Um, I said, because I'm not my parents. My parents have both been married before. My mom is bringing children into this marriage. I said, there's all of these other things that I can observe and I don't need to go and ask them, what were your marital struggles? Um, and And I knew where my parents were in their marriage at the time and possibly still now. But, um, so that was like one of those, I don't need to bring somebody else's marriage issues into my yes future um so like i think we can learn from it so i'm not saying that but like i just remember going like no i'm not i didn't feel right about that yeah um because i can make my own decisions in my marriage and on top of that our relationship's not going to be the same as your relationship with your wife yeah you know we're completely different people yeah and uh yeah i feel like the way it was approached was almost like i wouldn't have any hope if I didn't sit and work through their marriage with yeah. them, that's wow. kind of how could, it felt. And yeah. it was like, and, and I could what? see like, you know, analyze that, those kind of things because maybe 
it would influence your thought life, like how you approach certain situations and stuff like that. But it it really was kind of yeah. And like, and I feel like yeah. you can t- kind of take that into all areas of life. Like you can learn things from your past but that you're not that person anymore. That's right. So you had to move forward and go, that's not me. I've learned from it, mm-hmm. but I don't have to bring that baggage with me in order to continue to move forward. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it was almost as if like, well, I'll try to help you out here because it's probably <laughs> going to be a bad result. So... I'll just give them the hardest thing, you know, like the. I really do want to know the things. amount of people that are shocked that we're still married. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I honestly yeah, do though. Like, yeah, I mean, well, are, we're both babies of the family. We're right yeah. there. That's. Um, you guys are like the the old country music Shania Twain song. They said, "I bet we'll never make it, but just look at us going yeah. strong, still <laughs> yeah. together, still holding on." Yeah. With four children. Yeah. Six, yeah. but four, four here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming. Yeah. We kept you yeah. a lot longer than we probably should have. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. This was absolutely amazing, guys. You guys have a beautiful family. I love your podcast, and I love the mission that you guys are on, too. Thank you. I, I definitely feel like God is in the midst of this, and he's calling you guys to step into more. Yeah. And um, we have something for you, too. Yeah. Um, I don't know several where I put them there. I don't know where I put them. But uh, you could choose either, like, a cap, or since it's starting to get cold, we have, like, a little... Like oh. one of those, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh there it is. It was I, behind you. I, I, yeah, I definitely. So I have a bald head. So, so I, def- <laughs> I definitely need. I need something to cover up. Thank you guys. This yeah, is that's awesome. for you. But gotta... the picture in your book, you have hair. I know. I so know. where's your hair? So here's what happened. So <laughs> one quick story. So when everything shut down in 2020, my wife started cutting my hair, and she did a really good job at it. Like it wasn't barber style, but it was. It was. It was good. It was good enough. Yeah. And she noticed at the top of my head that I started to lose a little bit, and I started to go bald. And she just gave me one of those loving truths, and she said, "Baby, I, I think it's time." And I go, "What you mean? It's time? What does that even mean? It's time." <laughs> and uh, and so I, I shaved off all my head. You know, after the book came, after I took the picture for that, and um, I've been rocking the bald look ever since. And there's a sense of freedom in that, actually, <laughs> of like not pretending to be something that I'm not. So you like, don't want the bald spot it, in the back? No, right now? <laughs> we had to let it go. Rub I mean, some Rogaine <laughs> on yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I, let it go. I buzzed my head a couple times. Um, uh, yeah, she Mm-mm. she was not privy on that. Yeah. Uh, if you have hair, every, keep it while you have it. That's right. Every time I would put a uh, hat on like that, uh, as it started growing back, it was like Velcro. I'd be like yanking my head up, trying yeah. to <laughs> trying yeah. to get it off. I was like, I think the I need to grow my worth neck. It. Yeah. Yeah. I recently but... got told about my hair though that I looked like this villain from a certain movie, and I was like, oh, What? Oh, yeah, it does look the same. <laughs> Thank you. But what are we talking whatever. about? My my hairstyle. Who told you what? I'll tell you later. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> you can't bring that up on a podcast so. and then not say. <laughs> Someone just said it, hon. Okay, and I feel really bad, and uh, I just need some Jesus time right now. <laughs> They'll help you through it. <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah, well, so again, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Me. This was amazing. I really, really appreciate this conversation. I think it's important. I think it's important that people hear not just my message, but your message as well, too. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, I need support. All right. And for wrapping this up, rate and review. Email us. Do the whole shindig here. Search us on social media. Yeah, listen, guys, I left a five star review, and it's because I genuinely appreciate what these guys are doing. And I hope that you do the same. Leave a five-star review. Write an honest, 
uh, thought and a couple sentences about this podcast because it really does go a long way, especially when you're trying to start something from yes. the beginning and start small. Uh, reviews and ratings help so much. So support this podcast. Yeah, leave them something good. That'll generate searches and bring us to the top of that search list if you keep doing that. So we would appreciate that, definitely. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you. And per the usual, live such good lives. Good